eight of us on a rafting trip on the Colorado River. After camping out near the river, we were finishing breakfast and getting ready to continue downstream. A family with small kids docks their boat alongside ours and comes to talk to us. They have a passenger in distress and tell us they are leaving him with us because they are uncomfortable having this dude in their boat with their kids. Apparently, this guy had taken a cheap Walmart inner tube into the Colorado River by himself. The inner tube hit a rock and popped. Dude had been alone in the wilderness for days with no shirt, shoes, sunscreens. It was 90-plus degrees in high altitude, water or food before being picked up by the family. This guy was done horribly severe sunburns and dehydration. He was also certifiably insane and rambling constantly about batshit crazy stuff. It could not have just been his physical condition. Dude was insane and even in his diminished state managed to be extremely creepy and pervy with the girls in our group. Luckily, we had a satellite phone and got a hold of the nearest sheriff's department who was sending a rescue boat. We did not feel safe having this guy hitch a ride downstream, so we gave him lots of food, water, sunscreen, a shirt, and some shoes. We told him to stay put, and we continued on our trip. I was hiking in Cape Scott Provincial Park, British Columbia, Canada, on a trail that doesn't get much traffic. The trail was an out and back to a beautiful beach. There were many different terrains we crossed, beaches, a small mountain, meadows, swamps, and rivers. The rivers we had to ford at low tide going in. On the way out, we missed low tide by about an hour and the rivers were way higher than we had wanted, but we crossed the first one without too much issue. We then crossed through some forest, maybe about 200 yards, quite possibly much less, and made it to the second river. We looked across for our trail marker and couldn't find it. We had somehow missed the trail and made our own, though it was obvious we weren't the only ones who had been that way. We trekked back to the first river to start the trail again, but we came out at the same place and still couldn't find the trail marker. I think we ended up trying to find this marker for two hours. I wasn't worried. We had plenty of gear and food still. And honestly, I was ready to just hike down to the ocean and back up the other side of the river to comb for the trail marker. All of a sudden, we heard voices coming from the direction that we thought the marker should be. We started shouting toward them, but they didn't respond. We hiked toward the voices and immediately found the marker. We couldn't find whoever the voices belonged to, and as we hiked our way out, we realized there had been no one else out there at all. Only our own footprints in the mud. The legends whispered in the corners of our remote village had always held a certain allure for me. Stories of creatures that roamed the ancient forest during the hunter's moon, a rare lunar event that cast an eerie glow over our isolated haven, had captivated my imagination since childhood. As a seasoned hunter named Liam, I felt an insatiable need to unravel the truth behind these chilling tales. The eve of the hunter's moon arrived, casting a haunting luminescence upon the dense foliage that surrounded our village. Determination burned within me as I shouldered my trusty rifle and embarked on a solo expedition into the heart of the woods. Armed with the stories passed down through generations, I was determined to prove my prowess and confront the enigmatic creature that was said to haunt the forest under the moon's ominous light. My senses were heightened 
by the anticipation as I navigated through the labyrinthine undergrowth, each rustling leaf and distant hoot of an owl sending a thrill down my spine. The hunter's moon illuminated my path, painting the forest in shades of silver and obsidian, both mesmerizing and unsettling. As the night deepened, a palpable unease settled in the air. A malevolent presence seemed to shadow my every step, an intangible weight that sent shivers down my spine. I pressed on, though a sense of foreboding gnawed at me, urging me to reconsider my mission. Odd occurrences began to unfold around me. My path seemed to shift of its own accord, leading me deeper into the heart of the forest against my will. Whispers, spectral and otherworldly, echoed through the trees, teasing me with promises of unimaginable power and sinister truths. My sanity began to fray at the edges, the line between reality and illusion blurring into a disorienting haze. It was amidst this chaos that I stumbled upon her. Elora, a figure cloaked in shadows, her eyes reflecting both wisdom and a deep-seated pain. She warned me of the malevolent force that the hunter's moon harbored, a force that stirred ancient evils from their slumber and bent the very fabric of reality to its will. Alara revealed a chilling legend of the first hunters who forged an unholy pact to appease a vengeful forest spirit during the hunter's moon. The village had been cursed, and the consequences of that cursed pact still reverberated through time, waiting for the right moment to unleash their malevolent power once again. Bound by fate, Elora and I joined forces, navigating through a forest that seemed to contort and shift with malicious intent. Time was of the essence as we raced against the malevolent entity that threatened to consume the village in its insatiable hunger for power. The climax of our struggle came when the hunter's moon reached its zenith. Alara and I confronted the creature, a final desperate stand between the hunted and the hunter. The forest itself seemed to meld with the sinister force, reality and nightmare intertwine in a deadly dance. As we battled the creature, the boundaries of reality continued to warp, and the true nature of the forest's curse became clear. Together, Elara and I fought to break the curse, relying on courage and determination that bordered on the supernatural. Forest convulsed, and the world seemed to hold its breath as our final clash reached its pinnacle. In the end, it was the combined strength of our resolve that shattered the curse. The malevolent entity banished back into the darkness from whence it came. The hunter's moon waned, casting a final somber light upon the forest. When dawn broke, the village awoke to a changed world. The weight of the curse lifted, but the scars of the ordeal remained, etched not just on the land but in the hearts of those who had borne witness to the supernatural battle. As I gazed upon the fading moon, I couldn't help but wonder if the legends that had ignited my journey were born from truths far stranger than we could comprehend. Hunter's Moon was a testament to the thin veil between reality and the supernatural, a reminder that the darkness that lurked within us was often mirrored by the darkness that lay hidden within the depths of the ancient forest. I was up in a tree stand overlooking a small clearing in the woods a couple years ago hunting whitetail. 
I didn't see anything all day and the sun was starting to set. At about that time, two coyotes came from under my stand and were in the clearing playing and wrestling with each other. This didn't scare me at all, and I was enjoying getting to watch them from my stand while the sun set. They both stopped, though, and looked in the same direction and then trotted off. I didn't really think anything of it at first. Figured they maybe caught my scent or something and started tying my bow to the strap I used to lower it when what I swore was a huge mountain lion came out and slowly made its way across the clearing. This did petrify me, especially considering I was about a mile or so hiked through the woods to our house. I waited for a bit, hoping that it kept moving away from me, lowered my bow, and climbed down from the stand. As quickly and quietly as I could, I ran back to the house through what was now very dark woods. Bobcats are native to where I hunt, but mountain lions aren't. My family, who was also on the property hunting, swore it was just a bobcat for this reason, but this thing was huge, and I know what I saw. A report came out a couple weeks later of a confirmed lion spotting with a game camera in my area, and I didn't go back out that year. Coyotes and bears don't really bother me. They could obviously harm me, but almost never actually do. But knowing a mountain lion could be coming from behind me scared the shit out of me. After my mom passed last year, I had a couple occurrences happen. One was a coat that fell off a hook in my hallway, up and off a hook with no one around. I heard something fall upstairs, and the coat was laying in the hallway. The next two I was in and out of sleep, but I swear I heard her talking to me through my alarm clock radio while I was laying in bed. Another night, I was laying in my daughter's room getting her back to sleep, and I fell all seep on the floor and was woken up by footsteps approaching me sprang up to look around, and everyone was sleeping. The last occurrence, I was completely awake, again putting my daughters to sleep, and a wind-up ballerina that played music started playing a song. The item was sitting on the same shelf for four years, basically untouched. It is also way out of the reach of my daughters, so I know they didn't grab it earlier. At that point, I said, Thanks, Mom, I know you're here, and nothing has happened since. I'm Jason, a police officer with several years of experience in handling various cases. One day, I received a call about a massive dog roaming around a neighborhood near a cemetery, scaring people. The caller seemed quite frightened, so I knew I had to act fast. As soon as I arrived at the location, I began searching for the dog. The area was quite dark and quiet, but I could hear some strange noises coming from the cemetery. I continued my search for over an hour, but there was no sign of the dog. Just as I was about to give up, I received a tip that the dog was spotted near the cemetery. My team and I decided to search on foot to increase our chances of finding the dog. We were all on high alert, as we suspected it might be a wolf due to its massive size. As we walked around the perimeter of the cemetery, we saw a large black mass with glowing eyes. We could barely make out its features but we knew it was big. The animal walked away slowly and disappeared, leaving behind a strange black smudge. We were all stunned and didn't know what to do next. Despite calling for more assistance and continuing our search, we were unable to find the animal. It seemed like it had vanished into thin air. I felt a sense of frustration and unease as I wondered what kind of animal could be so elusive. Was it a wolf or something else entirely? 
When I was a young adult, I saw something terrifying in the countryside in Denmark. A good mate, and I was about to go from his place to my place when we spotted something in the edge of a forest. It was a tall figure, about two meters tall or more, long skinny arms and legs. It didn't do anything, just stared at my buddy and me for some time, and then retreated to the forest. A couple of weeks later, my sister and her boyfriend saw the same thing, not far from where I saw it. They was taking our dog for an evening walk, and suddenly it appeared about 30 meters from them, again just staring. The dog began to whimper and flee with the tail between its legs. Then they ran home and locked the doors. About a week later, we found a mutilated deer on our farm. The abdomen was torn, ripped open, and the guts were all over the place. The biggest predators we have in this part of the country is foxes and badgers, and I don't think they can attack and do that to an adult deer. Shortly after my whole family moved, some to another farm, others to a semi-large town. I myself is living in the town now, but I swear. Sometimes I still have the feeling that I can see it in the dark. This happened nine years ago in the early spring when I was 15 years old. I was at a friend's house in corn country, about an hour north of Indianapolis. Now, uh, days I am very familiar with the paranormal unexplained having multiple shared experiences with friends. But at the time I was a major skeptic. I had not even heard of skinwalkers. I didn't fully process what we saw until years later. I came over to my friend's house to hang out like any other time. I brought my pellet gun. He had one as well. So we could shoot some moles on his farm property. After a while, his brother joined us, and we eventually got bored of looking for moles. There was a patch of woods about the size of two football fields, a little over a mile away, completely surrounded by empty cornfields, with no access points from the nearby road. The three of us decided to walk out there because why not? We were bored kids looking for fun. We put on some boots and headed out with our pellet guns. The walk wasn't super far, but it took us a while to reach the woods because all the spring rain from earlier in the week made the empty field a big mud pit. So muddy your foot disappears each step. Then, right as we walked through the brush surrounding the edge of the woods, we saw it. The best way I can describe this thing is it was a raccoon that was built like a Great Dane. We had seen coyotes and wolves before, and this was not that. It 100% looked like the biggest raccoon we had ever seen. We could tell we caught it off guard because it was just standing there on all fours grooming itself, and then it immediately locked eyes with us when one of us pointed at it and said, Look at that thing. There was a couple of seconds where we just looked at it as it looked back at us, before it quickly turned around and scaled a 60-feet tree. We lost sight of it in the canopy. We then looked at each other and were like, WTF was that? And talked about how the way it climbed the tree was what freaked us out the most. It only took a few strides up the tree, using its front two paws to grab a spot on the tree to lift and launch itself up the tree. The arms were freakishly long and lanky-looking when it climbed. It honestly looked somewhat human the way it articulated its arms as it climbed. Like its elbows jutted out to the sides as it pulled itself up. We talked about how freaky that was some more, and decided to keep looking around because even though we were spooked, it was intriguing, and we wanted to see if there was any other freaky stuff around. 
there definitely was. The woods were littered with easily over 100 animal carcasses bone piles. Most of them were cows, raccoons, and opossums. There was one spot, maybe 25 by 25 feet, that had at least a dozen cow carcasses ranging from just the bone left to one that looked less than a week old. They were definitely being eaten by something with huge chunks of flesh being missing. I know cows get loose all the time, but damn if this didn't look like a feeding spot. My theory is this thing was stealing cows from local farms for food. There are a couple within five miles. We also found a man-made small pond near the middle of the woods. Couldn't have been more than six feet wide. There was a shovel and plastic bucket sitting next to it. Once we found that we're pretty freaked out again and decided we better head back because we had less than two hours of daylight left and there was a lot of thick, deep mud to slowly walk through to get back. That's pretty much it. At the time, it freaked me out a bit, but looking back now, knowing what skinwalkers are, I'm just happy we came back completely unscathed. Unfortunately, I don't hang out with those guys anymore, and I tried to go back with some different friends somewhat recently, only to see that the woods had been cleared out and there was nothing there. I thought I was tripping out, but I looked on Google Earth, and I could see in its place was dirt and log piles. Probably an omen to not chase this thing. I'll take it at face value. Do you guys think this was a skinwalker or just an apex raccoon? In a small hunting community nestled in the heart of Texas, unsettling reports of missing hunters begin to surface, casting a dark cloud of fear and uncertainty over the locals. Whispers and rumors spread like wildfire, painting a vivid picture of a mysterious creature lurking within the depths of the nearby woods. Stories of encounters with this elusive predator send shivers down the spines of those who dare to venture into the wilderness. As a seasoned hunter and a devoted enthusiast of cryptids, I couldn't resist the call to action. My name is Joe, and I am not only a hunter, but also a podcaster who delves into the world of mythical creatures. I decide to take it upon myself to investigate these reports, firmly convinced that there is more to this mystery than meets the eye. Equipped with my trusted rifle, a recorder, and a thirst for the truth, I venture into the supposed territory of the creature. The scent of pine and damp earth fills the air as I follow the unique trail left behind by this unknown predator. With each step, I can't help but feel a mixture of excitement and trepidation coursing through my veins. Suddenly, my senses sharpen as I catch a glimpse of movement ahead. My heart pounds against my chest as I raise my rifle, ready for whatever awaits me, and then I see it. The creature... Standing before me is a beastly figure, resembling a hairy human with enormous arms and a snout. It's strikingly similar to the infamous Dogman, a creature of folklore and lore. Fear grips me, but my determination outweighs my fright. I brace myself for an encounter, knowing that this could be the pivotal moment that unravels the truth. In an instant, the creature lunges at me with ferocious intent. Instinct kicks in, and I managed to sidestep its attack, my heart pounding. Without hesitation, I aim my rifle and release a shot that echoes through the trees. The creature stumbles back, wounded, its eerie growls filling the air. I stand my ground knowing that this could be the answer to the community's fears. With one final shot, the creature falls silent, lifeless. 
Relief washes over me, but it is short-lived. I reach for my phone and dial the authorities, eager to share my discovery. When they arrive, they survey the scene with a skeptical eye. They claim that what I have encountered is merely a bear. A simple explanation that fails to capture the essence of what I've witnessed. But I know better. The truth lies beyond the mundane explanations. It resides in the realm of the cryptids, where reality intertwines with myth. Despite the skepticism of others, I hold steadfast to my beliefs. My encounter with the creature only solidifies my conviction that there are forces at play beyond our comprehension. I was on a bike tour through the Baltics. Somewhere in Latvia, I hiked off the road to find my camping spot for the night. Normally, I like to set up just before sunset, but this day the ride was flowing and I lost track of time a little, so it was dark by the time I started to look for a place to settle in. I hiked through some thick, for walking a bike at least, brushed for about ten minutes before I came upon a spot that looked perfect. A little clearing just big enough for my tent and my bike. Set the bike down and shined my headlamp around and started stomping to find the softest place to pitch the tent. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw something on one of the trees. When I looked up, I realized that this ring of like five trees each had massive animal skulls hanging on them so suddenly it was like I was being stared down upon by this ghostly audience. I turned around quickly to get my stuff and bumped into something I hadn't noticed hanging from a branch. It was an old woven plastic bag of rope that tore open when I bumped it and spilled rope at my feet. I hustled the F out tar there and rode about five more miles down the road before trying to find a camp spot again. Pretty sure it was just someone's badass forest chill zone. But when you're not expecting it, man, suddenly it feels like you're going to be the next sacrifice. Two friends and I went hiking at a nearby river trail. About two miles in, my friend said a nonchalant owl, and I looked behind me to see a massive copperhead on the ground and fang marks on her leg. It happened in an instant. We began walking back immediately, but the swelling and pain got so bad that I had to carry my friend. My friend that got bit was singing American traditional songs like this land is your land in an eerie tone, along with somewhere over the rainbow over the course of the walk back and drive to the hospital. Thankfully, it was a pretty dry bite, even though their leg was 2.5 times its original size. I was just terrified the whole time. No, we're near as bad as some other stuff on here, though, and I'm so thankful they're okay. Afterward, their dad, an older Chinese immigrant, bought massive snake boots for them, which was just about the most out-of-character but hilarious thing I had ever seen I had ever seen. Years ago, I went to a local swim spot with a friend and my ex-boyfriend about a mile or two in the woods. There usually wasn't many people there, but that day there was a Boy Scout troop at the normal spot. We would swim, so we went down a bit farther. My friend and I got in the water before my ex. I think he was smoking. We saw an old man downstream a bit and didn't think much of it until all of a sudden the man stripped down naked and proceeded to move towards us upstream. My friend and I never moved so quick to get out of there, and my ex could tell by our urgency we had to get out of there as soon as possible. 
We told him what we saw as we headed back to the car, but I will never forget how shocked I was at what had happened. I never thought I would feel that scared and helpless in my entire life. I had heard stories about mountain lion attacks, but I never expected to come face to face with one. I always knew that elk hunting was going to be dangerous, but I never thought that my life would be at stake. It was a cold morning when I bailed early from school to go elk hunting. The snow was deep and I had to cut my own tracks to get to the public land where I knew there were elk. I had permission from a landowner to go through his property, but little did I know that I would have an uninvited guest joining me on my journey. As I was walking up the trail, I noticed a group of does feeding. I carefully worked my way around them and back onto the trail to avoid disturbing them. A few minutes later, the deer started running past me at full speed. I had never seen anything like it before. Suddenly, I heard a horrible scream coming from the oak brush nearby. It was the sound of a deer being taken down by a predator. That's when I realized that I was not alone. My heart started racing as I tried to remain calm and composed. I quickly turned around and began to jog back down the trail, hoping to get back to my truck as soon as possible. It was then that I noticed the mountain lion tracks in my boot prints. I couldn't believe it. That mountain lion had been following me for almost a mile. I could only imagine what would have happened if that deer hadn't distracted it. I knew that I had to get out of there as quickly as possible but I also had to remain cautious. I kept looking over my shoulder, expecting the mountain lion to come after me at any moment. I could hear the sound of my own heart beating as I jogged down the trail. My mind was racing with thoughts of how to defend myself if the mountain lion did attack. Eventually, I made it back to my truck and drove home as quickly as I could. I was shaken up, but I knew that I had survived a close call. It was a sobering reminder of how dangerous elk hunting could be and how we should always be prepared for the unexpected. From that day on, I always made sure to carry a weapon with me when I went hunting, and I made sure to stay alert and aware of my surrounding. I never wanted to experience that kind of fear and helplessness again. Heard and saw a lot of stuff at night running hounds. About 20 years ago, a couple buddies and I were out training dogs. We used to hunt by an old cemetery quite a bit. This night it was around 2 a.m. in the summertime. The dogs were running an old coon track down in the river bottoms. It was a crystal clear night where sound travels well. All of a sudden, we heard people arguing by our truck, which is by the cemetery. We were a little over a quarter of a mile away, and I got to the truck as soon as I could didn't want anyone messing with our ride home. When I get there, no one is around. No dust where someone left and not a sound. Can't say that we were scared about it, but we did call the dogs in and went home. Hunted there many times after that without anything happening again. Picture a ten-year-old Odin laying prone in full head-to-toe, green woodland BDU-style clothes complete with boonie hat and trusty 760 pump master carried sideways across my arms. I was doing my best to emulate Carlos Hathcock as I crawled down a deep gully at the bottom of a valley. The gully started about six feet deep with steep sides, then slowly became more shallow, which was perfect to cover my movements. 
so Charlie wouldn't see me as I eased toward my objective. I squirrel and rabbit hunted these woods daily, mainly just enjoying the woods and to pass time. As I neared a house that aligned with the wash, I knew that I would soon run out of room and would have to reverse course back toward home. Just as the shop behind the house came into view, I heard a shot. My first thought was cool. Maybe I'll meet a new friend to hang out with. Then back into sniper mode, I decided to sit tight and see what happened. Soon I heard footsteps coming my way in the dry hardwood leaves. Things were about to get real as I prepared to have to explain why I'm hunting here, because I had no idea who lived there, although I'm sure they knew my parents. I'm still a little too deep in the wash to see outside, so I just wait and listen for the footsteps to get closer. Then I see a black bag land in the wash, about twenty feet in front of me, and then the footsteps begin going away from me. I do what any ten-year-old would do and crawl toward the bag. When I get to the bag, it is obviously a black trash bag. I'm laying there with my head only inches away from the bag. I guess I was hoping there may be some alcohol or adult reading materials inside. I poked the bag with my barrel, and it seemed like whatever is in it was soft and flexible. I reached out and began looking for the opening of the bag. I began rolling the bag, and the object finally fell out, exposing a bloody mouth complete with a large fang about eight feet from my face. For a split second, I remember thinking I had met my end. I don't think it would have scared me had I not been laying down in the fang so close. It turned out to be just a large black house cat that had crossed this neighbor. He never knew I was there, and that's definitely the scariest thing I've found in the woods. I remember the night my colleagues told me about their encounter with the strange creature in the suburbs of Minneapolis. It was roughly 1 a.m. in the middle of the night, and they were driving along the side of the road. The environment was dark and the lights were flickering, creating an eerie atmosphere. According to them, they saw a tall figure almost ten feet in height standing on the side of the road. It was white-grayish in color and had no identifiable facial features. The creature was skinny and had no hair, clothes, or genitalia. Despite its humanoid shape, it was unlike anything they had ever seen before. My colleagues were not superstitious and did not believe in ghosts. They were rational people who had never reported anything like this before. However, they were both adamant about what they saw, and their stories matched up perfectly. They saw the same thing. To this day, they never saw the creature again. It remains a mystery, a strange and unexplained encounter that will forever be etched in their memories. I couldn't help but feel a chill run down my spine as they told me their story. The thought of encountering such a creature in the dead of night is enough to make anyone feel uneasy. Years later, I am still trying to make sense of this encounter. I am a science-based believer. There has to be a good reason behind something moving on its own. I didn't in younger years know how to tell people no. I ended up going on a vacation with a fellow I was not into after a lot of persistence from him, not knowing boundaries. We stayed in his parents' brand new built guest room. I didn't want to do anything with him and also felt a sense of dread and impending doom. He tried to make moves. He tried to make moves. 
I became more withdrawn and told him that she was here. She was even though I don't and never did believe in her. He tried to convince me to lay down with him in bed to escape this anxiety he thought I was experiencing. I laid down, he laid down next to me. The second he reached out to touch me, a four-by-two-foot panel of glass above the guest bed, right above our heads, popped up perfectly and nearly fell on top of us. He, with quick reflexes, reached his hands out and caught it, sliding it onto the floor where it shattered. We both heard the sound of gravel running and a woman crying. Went outside to investigate. Middle of the desert, Arizona. Nowhere near a city. There was nothing and no one. He didn't believe in her. He didn't believe in her. He did after. I still don't believe in her, but she seems to protect me. His family accused us of doing the deed to the point of breaking the window. We sat in opposite corners of the room after the incidents until the sun rose.